What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest has a keen sense for sustainable design, is a total designer, has a wonderful eye for interior design, a principal partner at Stonehill and Taylor Architects, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Duffy. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, one of the things that I love about doing all of these conversations, as we were just saying, is I get to interview people who I'm friends with. And I feel like there's just these really amazing conversations and I'm just always so comfortable with you. And I'm just really looking forward to kind of just digging in and about like what you do and why you do it and just learn more about you. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, so I said in your introduction a, that you are now a principal at Stonehill Taylor Architects. So walk us through the timeline on that and like what, how exciting was it? And like, just take us up to where you are now. Um, okay. So I became a principal, I think it was three months before COVID hit, maybe not quite. Perfect so timing. note to self, don't become a principal right before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and, you know, so obviously for all of us, panic ensued and um, I went from just being uh, a regular sort of leader at the firm and designer to having to worry about keeping the firm going. Um, so that was super intense, um, but amazing at the same time and very, I mean, I certainly learned a lot quickly. Um, but then, you know, we started to pull out of COVID and um, that felt really exciting or, I mean, obviously we haven't pulled out of it, but uh, the work started to return and we were in a situation where we could start to hire again, and, um, which was all really terrific, but that brought its own challenges because it was overwhelming. It was suddenly we had, we had gone from not really having enough work to way too much and, trying to juggle all those different, you know, buckets, if you will. And also just really concerned about the staff and making sure that people were happy and satisfied where they were. And, you know, so it's been really challenging for me, um, but also I'm loving it. And it's been, it's just been great. It's an incredible time from a learning perspective to be thrust into a leadership position. I think you've always been, I've always looked at you as a leader now that your title is like more leader like as a principal, <laughs> but I've always seen you as a leader. Um, oh, but to, to assume the helm, so to speak, at a time like this, like how, how, how did you keep your sanity through it all and, and really and, and express the confidence to the team around you? Well, the, the main thing we started doing is we had an 8.30 a.m. meeting with all the principals every single morning, which, um, you know, we had never done before and um, actually really barely met at all. <laughs> we would just sort of call each other randomly, which has been kind of one of the interesting side effects of, of the COVID experience is that we've really become so much more organized um, and I think so much more efficient. But so we'd have these meetings and they would 
you know, vary from being incredibly stressful where everyone's kind of yelling and freaking out to, okay, you know, sort of dialing down into what, what really matters and how can we make things better. And um, so those were, those were, that was the main thing that we did. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I, you ended up doing all this crazy stuff to keep everybody going. Um, and so, and I took that to heart. So for instance, I went to the office one day and there was this huge pile of FedExes all with CFAs and things that people had to respond to, but of course nobody could come into the office. So the next day I grabbed my car with my kid and we went and picked up all the boxes and took them to everybody's house, um, which, you know, was all over the place. Huh. <laughs> Manhattan, Brooklyn. Um, I think I even went out to the Bronx. I went up to Inwood. Uh, so, you know, I just took it really seriously that I wanted people to feel connected to us. And I, I, I really did that in a lot of different ways. That was one um, another was just calling people to see how they were doing, really just trying to stay connected as much as possible. Um, and then we also, we did all this, you know, we used to have, uh, and now, now do after COVID, but we have these, what we call Friday Presents, where we bring the whole firm together and, and look at projects that we're doing across architecture and interior design, because sometimes when you're on the architecture side, you don't know what's happening on the interior design side or vice versa. Um, and so we started doing um, these Zooms where we would invite everybody and there'd have to, there was always some sort of personal thing about it, like there'd be a theme. Um, so for instance, one was um, everybody had to take a picture of something that they were enjoying during COVID. And that, you know, and that became a personal thing. So Ooh, what was the coolest posted, picture you saw? Oh, there were so many great ones. Um, um, like what my, mine was, my cat had just brought in a bird. <laughs> so I had this picture of the cat with a bird in its mouth. Um, I think Paul Taylor had this amazing turtle that just showed up in his lawn at his country house where he was living. Um, people were make, uh, baking beautiful things and lots of bread. And it was great. And people had pictures of their children. And so it just like brought us together in a different way that we've never done before. And that was lovely. So we, you know, we were pretty strident about people had to, people had to show up and come and, you know, we made a big effort to do all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, at Christmas, we sent everybody a bottle of champagne um, with a nice card from us since we couldn't all be together. And then we had a Zoom and we all toasted together. I mean, we just tried to do stuff like that where we were think, making it um, fun and it wasn't just about work. Yeah. And, you know, hearing you say kind of these personal themes and creating these moments, whether it's the principal meeting or the uh, Friday presents where you're kind of, you know, almost in a way forcing this connection because I, and I say force because having these routines, routines can be monotonous and annoying sometimes, but I also believe that routine can really set you free. And when you think about these routines that you've established from with, with within perspective of what the title of this, this is, uh, defining hospitality, you're kind. You're really, in a way, you're creating these gathering points for your team and yourself, and which will help me transition to like, how do you define hospitality? So, how, how do I define hospitality? Yeah, so how do you I, define? I, I define hospitality as the true sense of of being welcoming, um, and you know, I think we were talking earlier about when I was a kid. 
growing up on the Upper West Side of New York, there was this really terrific Italian restaurant that we went to on 79th Street every Friday night. And they, you know, they knew us. It was kind of like cheers, right? Everybody knows your name. And I loved it there. And I think that was my first sort of foray into the true sense of being welcomed into a space and true hospitality. And they were so nice to me. I remember they would, I would get tired at the end of the night and they would let me sleep across two chairs or they'd let me sit at the bar and watch TV and talk to the bartender. And, you know, it was just like, I was supposed to be there. And so for me, still living in New York, if I walk into a restaurant and, and someone doesn't immediately just acknowledge me, just, just to say, hey, I'll be right with you. I, I find that such a turnoff and it's such a mistake, right? But it's such a hard thing for people to do well. And so that sense of walking into any space, whether it's a restaurant or a, or a hotel with multiple, multiple people working at it, you should feel that sense of welcome from the second you get out of your car to the person that opens your door, to the receptionist, to the, you know, the bellman that walks by you should be saying, hi, welcome. You know, there's a sense that you are supposed to be there and they're so happy that you're there. When you would go to this, what was the restaurant called? Tony's. Tony's. Oh, that's a Tony's. So when you would go to Tony's, was it Tony that was there or was it everyone there? Like how, what I'm trying to get at here is, okay, obviously I'm hoping it was Tony, but then I'm also hoping that everyone else that worked with Tony kind of tapped yeah, into that I, care it, that it, it was, I mean, Tony was always there, but Tony had clearly made it clear to the whole staff that this is how I'm going to run my business. And you need to follow suit. And obviously he really cared. And, and it always felt like to me that everybody that worked there always cared too. Now, do you think he said it like that? Or do you think he said, Hey, this is how I'm going to run on my business. <laughs> I think he might've said it. Hey, this is how I'm going to run on my business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just watched house of Gucci last night and there were too many weird, um, oh. <laughs> too many weird Italian accents that were not real. There was like New York accents. There were, um, Al Pacino accents and um, this kind of Italian accents, but it was just kind of all over the place um, as I digress. So with your, on your path towards le to leadership, where you are now, if you think about um, kind of that culture that Tony built in his restaurant that you appreciate, and now you, it's like the benchmark for everything. How have you taken that kind of idea or that culture that he's created or made everyone else, how he's made everyone else feel and brought it over to what you're doing now? Well, I mean, I, I think what's funny for me is that um, my, my best friend always gets annoyed with me because if we go into a restaurant and someone doesn't talk to us immediately, I'm like, we're out of here, we're not doing this. Um, but I think that experience really brought, the, the Tony's experience rather really brought to me that um, sense of what it really is to, to create great hospitality. And I think that that's why I've always been interested in hotels. I mean, that's, to me, it's such a fascinating thing that you're creating this space for someone to sort of temporarily live, but needs to feel pampered and welcomed and excited to be there. And it's difficult and it's hard to do it well. And it's not just about operations, obviously, it's about design too, but um, it's all those things in one that make it so interesting. And I think that I did pull sort of maybe unknowingly from those experiences as a kid 
with, you know, with my parents running around New York, that those, those things were important. And just as right now you said in, in this built environment, doing it well, like describe to me how you know when you've done it well, like a job well done. Oh, well, that's really hard. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I, you know, it, it's hard to walk into one of your own spaces that you've designed and not be super uber critical, at least for me. Uh, I'm sure that's true for a lot of designers. Um, but I, th I think, you know, for, for me, the, like one of my favorite stories about a hotel that I designed was we designed the, um, the Canby Hotel and it's an autograph in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And it was originally a Ritz Carlton. And the first time I went there, it was like snooty, 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 lots of ladies in hats having that tea that they do at the Ritz Carlton. And um, it just felt dated and weird and very strange and not inviting or exciting to be in. And then when we finished the hotel, we, we completely transformed it. It was a much more modern um, take on sort of the Arizona experience. And we also really geared it towards basketball players. We had extra long beds made because the stadium is right nearby. And so one of the last days I was at the hotel, Patrick Ewing was sitting in a chair that I had designed, completely dwarfing it and looked, you know, because he's, I think he's like seven and a half feet tall. Um, but he was like lounging and very comfortable and the teammates were around and it was just like, everybody was just relaxed and excited to see each other. And it was like the complete antithesis of the first day that I walked in where it had been snooty and not comfortable and pretentious. And um, so, I don't know, to me, that's like the ultimate is if someone's enjoying my space and clearly having a good time. Yeah. And it's a bonus when it's like one of my heroes, Patrick Ewing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that was he, amazing. I'll, I have a story about him. I'll tell you after. That's kind okay. of, <laughs> it's not appropriate for right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the things that I'm most fascinated and amazed and awestruck by is how you guys can take, and when I say you guys, like designers, take these ideas of who is going to be walking through a space and design around that. So if you think about the transformation that you had at the Canby, you reposition that based around in a psychographic. So what's your process for really truly understanding who that guest is? Right. Well, I mean, it's hard, right? Because some hotels, it's really, really obvious, right? If it's, uh, let's say it's, we know that during the week it's geared towards a millennial uh, business travel, but during the weekend, it's gonna be I mean, um, leisure people. Um, and it depends on the city, right? Like in New York, you're kind of, you're probably going for almost every type of guest, mm -hmm. right? Realistically. So sometimes that's a little tough. Um, but in general, I think you're trying to figure out, you know, kind of a smaller genre of people that you're, that you're designing for. And um, but, you know, that's hard, too, because you don't want to get pigeonholed by that. You kind of want to push people a little bit, right? So maybe, you know, what we were worried about, there's all these people that come and stay at this hotel now. We don't want to lose them, but we want to add to that, to that group of people, right? We want the people that are more interested in a more uh, 
design oriented, fashion oriented experience than what they were getting before. Um, so you, you know, we had them, we had them in our mind the whole time, like, okay, I don't want to lose that Ritz Carlton client. We'll, we'll definitely lose some, there's no way, you know, there's some people that are just going to be, I don't want to do this. I want that like traditional luxury experience, but it turned out that there were a lot of people that came back because they loved the hotel originally. And the location was great for them for whatever reason. And, and a lot of them came back and said, oh, this is really great. I love it. And you've, and one guy even said to me, you know, you've, you've pushed my sense of design and into a place where I could be comfortable. And I didn't necessarily think that I could be comfortable in a place like this. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so, that's like so flattering. Um, So I love, I loved hearing that. Um, But I I think it's, it's hard to figure out exactly who your demographic is because in truth, your demographic is usually many different types of people, right? It's not just the millennial that goes to this hotel. Like that would be silly if I only designed for them. Or if it was only NBA players, it would be like a really small hotel. <laughs> exactly. With really big beds. Yeah. Um, exactly. So in thinking about the, the process to create these spaces and, and convey this feeling, right? That, that you can kind of just tell when you walk in, you can, you almost smell it, right? Mm-hmm. You just feel it. Um, right. How are you? How are you creating these environments as a leader within your company now? Like, just as far as you're, you're talking about um, the presentations, the principal meetings. What are some other innovations that you're doing as a leader to make your team feel super comfortable? Um, that's a good question. That's hard. I mean, it's hard to do. Um, for me, you know, I, what I've been really trying to work on in the last year and a half is making sure that people have um, the sense of autonomy, that they are in control and that I really look to them to be designing the spaces, um, obviously with my input and with the input of the senior staff, but where I want people to be happy at their job. And I think the way to do that is to make sure that people feel like that they really have an input have a say in what we're doing and so I'm a strong believer in working as a group I think collaboratively we get to a much better product than if we're just sitting in silos at our desks you know doing our own thing whereas if we get into a conference room and someone says oh it should be blue and the other person says oh that's a great idea how about if it's teal you just get to something better together and, um, but that can be challenging too, right? I mean, it's not always easy. And, um, but I think for me, that's something that helps our projects get to the, you know, hopefully the high level that I think they are getting to because we're, we're doing it together. Yeah. I love how you say you get to something better together through this collaboration. And if you think about how you were talking about this sense of autonomy and control, where you want to empower your team, how do you, you know, what you do is so deadline heavy. It's crazy, yeah. right? And it's and it, it, you have the collaboration and and all and people all over the place. How do you instill that sense of autonomy and control with your team, but also ensure that the deadlines are still getting hit without micromanaging? Well, uh, you know, we 
send a lot of emails that say, okay, guys, don't forget in two weeks, we're going down to Miami or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I just send a lot of reminders and sort of show up at people's desks like, hey, how's it going? What's happening? Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm a huge believer in a schedule. And so we make sure there's a schedule. The schedule goes to everybody. Sometimes we can print it out, give it to people. Um, and I think also because you make people um, accountable, then it's a, a whole different thing for them. I mean, if it's just, oh, Sarah's going down to Miami to present to the client and, you know, none of us are involved, then they're not as interested. But if they're involved as they are, then, oh gosh, you know, we've got this deadline. We got to, we got to stay on top of it. I love the idea of accountability because I find if, if you have true accountability, I think oftentimes people don't understand what accountability is, but if you have true accountability and your, P and your team is empowered, then you shouldn't need to micromanage, right? People, are, every, you create alignment and then you praise when a job is well done. Um, so I love hearing that. And then when you think about this idea of accountability, how are you, how do you, talk about accountability and spread that to your team so that everything is still getting there. I know you're saying emails, but you know, are there other rhythms that you guys have established since you've come, since you've assumed this new position? Well, I mean, that's when the, one of the interesting things about COVID is that because we couldn't be together, we kind of had to be together. So, I mean, in other words, prior to COVID, there was a lot of sort of, Hey, let's all just jump in a conference room and see what's happening and look at, at the work. Um, I mean, of course, some of those were scheduled meetings, but now with the, you know, the innovation of Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all that stuff, okay, we're going to have a meeting in two days at this time, I need you to come to the table with ideas, and um, I want everybody to come to the table with ideas so that we're, you know, having a, a really productive discussion on what this space should be, and so I, I think that is very different than just run into someone's desk and say, let's go into a conference room. And then if you don't like what they're doing, you kind of like help it along. Whereas because of the Zoom era, you had to show up with ideas. You couldn't just be like, well, I don't know, you know. Um, and and I think that, that that really helps. Yeah, taking that idea of that, which you said earlier of, you know, you want to get, get to something better together. I've always, I've thought about as it pertains to to you guys, because I know that we've spoken about internships and bringing in new people. And I, for me, I love the whole hybrid situation. But when I think about onboarding someone new, so much of what we learn about what we do is, is just like in passing, waiting for at the copy machine or picking up samples from the library. How do you, how have you helped your new members feel supported and, and kind of help facilitate that institutional knowledge gain? Well, uh, we, you know, we've done a lot since COVID. So now when someone new comes on, first of all, they have to start in the office, obviously if they're vaccinated and don't have COVID. Um, check, check. And, <laughs> and um, we do a bunch of things. Like first they have to meet with the IT guy and he, make sure that they really understand their computer, how it works, our filing system, et cetera. Then they meet with the HR person so that they get all their 
material set, all their forms. And then they meet with someone in my firm that helps to onboard people. So she personally sits down with every single person and walks them through how we set up every folder on our server, how we do things, how do you, you know, ask for a vacation day, like all that stuff that I think people get, you know, I don't, we didn't, uh, that would just sort of like evolve as a person came to work. And now we're realizing that it really makes people feel safe and much more comfortable if they understand all of these sort of constructs as they go on. And, and the expectation is that it's going to take them probably at least a week to just even get going, which is totally fine. Um, and then having sort of checks and balances as they come in, you know, I just sort of check in on people, whether through other other staff members or with them personally, you know, how is it going? You know, what what's going well, what isn't? And some people, you know, respond to that really well. Others are really shy and that's fine too. We kind of just sort of figure it out as we go along and 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 making sure that people are teamed well, that they are working with someone that they like and that it's that that there's a sort of mentee mentorship um, idea. And that's the other thing we did is we set up a whole mentorship program, particularly for Revit, because Revit is, you know, becoming just so important. I mean, it has been for a while, but now it's really become like essential and um, making sure that people have a mentor in Revit so that they can go talk to someone about how to be more productive, you know, having problems, et cetera. I love hearing about all these um, procedures and checklists. There's a great book called The Checklist Manifesto, but Again, it goes back to that idea of um, the routines that we all have kind of set us free. And it enables us to be, once we know what all that stuff is, we can be more creative. Um, and, it, and the more that we know, and we, we don't have those little voices going off in the back of our head wondering, um, it puts us into a clear, like almost like a, a, a clean whiteboard. So we can be ultimately um, creative. Yeah, because it feels horrible, right? If you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to fill out my timesheet or, you know, whatever it is, like all these things that become like really stressful and then you're mm -hmm. stressed about that, but not about, or, you know, you're, you're not focused on the important thing. Yeah. Um, if you think about kind of, you know, where you, where you are, how you've gotten to where you are now. And if you think, if you're looking forward as a leader in the company and through, you know, talking to all of your partners, like what's keeping you guys up at night now? Oh, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> What's rising to the top of that list? Uh, for, you know, for me, it's the staff. Mm -hmm. in a, I mean, not in a bad way, just um, I'm just always worried that people are content and happy and, um, you know, because you are, you are your staff. So I, I want them to feel like they can always come talk to me, that there's a, that I'm a resource for them. Um, but, but, you know, also challenging them, right? Like it's not just, uh, you know, being complimentary all the time. It's also about, hey, I really thought you could have done that better. And mm -hmm. this is why. Um, and so that stuff, that stuff keeps me up big time. And if you can, if you can take some of the lessons that Tony taught you and <laughs> apply it to your, hey, Tony, and if you can apply like that idea that you were conveying about Tony to yourself and your team, like how can Tony help you with your team feel supported? 
Well, I know. I mean, that's a good question, but I, uh, I mean, obviously there was a lot that happened behind the scenes at Tony's and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm often struck by that when I'm at these sort of hospitality events and seeing all these leaders, but all of us have these amazing group of people behind us that are really doing the important work. And so creating that culture where people are psyched to be working for us and happy and um, really productive is, you know, that's my, that's my most important task, but it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, I've been having a lot of a lot of these conversations, obviously. And another one is just it's kind of just showing up too, right? Like you, you were you said when you're going over to people's desks or you're like, hey, how are you? What's up? Yeah. And just like being being there for your team. And yeah, I, th I think you said, uh, do you need help? Or like for me, it's always like, hey, where are you stuck? Oftentimes I'll ask someone, where are you stuck? Mm -hmm. just, and then these stucks can really just be an anchor on someone, but if they share, yeah. if they're vulnerable and share their stuck, it's like, Oh, we as leaders can help unstuck them very easily. So exactly. it's, it's, it's really good habit to get into asking where you're. Yeah. Stuck. Or what's, yeah. Like what, what's the, you know, what's, what is so hard about this one thing? And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, often it's something that I hadn't even thought about because they're just approaching in a different way that I would have. Um, which is an asset for us, right? Because they're thinking about it in a different way than we would have. And that's smart, you know, but sometimes they're getting stuck on something that's small or, you know, like, I feel like I can't do Revit. It's like, yes, you can. We're going to help you, you know, or uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to detail this piece of millwork. Okay. We've, we've got samples for you. Oh, that's another thing we just did is um, I have this amazing group of people that just put together this really terrific resource for the whole office. So it has um, previous presentations, it has details, it has, you know, it just has a tremendous amount of information all in one spot, really organized very nicely and easily. So it's just an easy place for someone to go and, you know, maybe figure out how to do this thing in Rabbit that is, you know, difficult for them right now. Yeah. And that's, that is a really challenging thing where you talk about like you're from your onboarding to this new resource um that you've created it's how can we all get the stuff that's between our ears out and mm -hmm. that institutional knowledge and shared effectively so yeah i'd love to learn more about that at some point that, that sounds really cool and then um as you are looking to the future with your hand on the helm um what's exciting you most about the future uh i'm just really excited about the work right i mean it just feels like we're at a different level and um, just I'm just so excited about what I think we're going to be capable of doing as we move forward and just kind of expanding our horizons, you know, and also trying to diversify more. Obviously that we learned that the hard way with COVID. Um, so that's exciting too. We, we shouldn't only be doing hotels. We need to be doing other genres as well. Mm -hmm. So really focusing on that and trying to get more into the multifamily um, even into some medical work, like just broadening our thoughts on what, you know, what is it that we really want to be doing? I think it's also really exciting as you think about broadening your horizons, because one of the cool things about doing this podcast and having all these conversations is hospitality is transferable to everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's making others feel comfortable and taking, and I think that it's a real miss um, that 
the design work that you and your your colleagues and your your peers have been doing it it can make such a profound difference in hospitals it can make such a profound difference in multifamily by taking that hospitality design element and bringing it over into those areas and to be honest i'm really surprised that it hasn't happened more widespread i know i mean when was the last time you went into a hospital and it was a pleasant experience like why is this so difficult i don't understand yeah it's, it's like really weird it's why totally is every weird. room that weird green color <laughs> yeah exactly and they're disgusting too yeah it's just <laughs> horrible do not go to the hospital um <laughs> um cool um now i've one question I want to ask you is let's go back. Like, let's say you're at Tony's restaurant. Okay. You're the little girl you, you're walking in. you're seeing yourself at the bar watching TV. Right. Remember I'm also there with my mother who's an interior designer. Oh, mm-hmm. she does high end residential, which is a definite, you know, she was a huge influence on me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. So it's me and my mom and my dad, who's a writer, you know, it's like, two. okay, but your mom and dad are over there. Your dad's you're, they're talking about the, the, your parents are over there talking. You're at the bar watching TV. You Mm -hmm. sit next to yourself. Uh (laughs) And as a, as you are now, as a leader that you are now, and you give yourself that your little self, some advice, what advice do you give yourself? Oh my God. I don't know. Do you order a Shirley Temple first? Definitely. Okay. That's what I always had there. Good call. Mm. Always. Um, and the Tartufo to finish, you know, those were awesome. Um, well, you know, I came to interior design late. Um, I did other things first, which was great. I mean, I worked at MTV and I, I worked on the Beavis and Butthead show. I did all these crazy things first maybe kind of trying to escape that I wanted to be an interior designer because that was what my mom did and I didn't want to be like her. And so I think, you know, my mom always said, you should be doing something creative. You're really, you're good at that. And so I was like, no, that's not what I should be doing. Um, So I think maybe the advice to myself would be, you know, maybe listen a little more carefully to your parents and their advice was, was, was good advice. What did you do for Beavis and Butthead? (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. um, I was the creator's assistant for a long time. And then then I was a script coordinator. And then I I transitioned to the, um, because of Beavis and Butthead, MTV products became a global moneymaker. So I transitioned to the consumer products division and managed the relationship between them and all the artists and creatives because they couldn't really speak to each other. And so I was kind of good at speaking to both of them. So I was sort of the liaison between the two. So I kind of like lived in both worlds. And then, and then they asked me to um, manage the design. I mean, I didn't design it, but manage the designers and the architects for the MTV store. And that's when I was really like, aha, I do like this. This is really cool. Really? And then I went back to school. Yeah. So it's also interesting if you go back to the idea of taking ideas and turning them into concrete places or built environment. Um, 
it's interesting that you were kind of the liaison between the creatives and the business people because you could translate. And really, I think it's being able to translate these complicated ideas and communicate them. It's interesting that you learn yeah. that. At yeah, MTV. there's definitely a, a consistency there. Yeah. Right. Because a big part of what I do now is like, you know, exactly what you said, communicating those ideas and really being able to explain what we're doing and, 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 sort of stay there with a client like this, you know, like kind of help them see the whole thing and, and listen to them. Right. I mean, that's a big part of it. And honestly, like the, our best projects are the ones where the client is heavily involved and there's a great interaction because just like at the office where we build something better together, the same is true with a client. When you were working at MTV, was everyone in all the production in like one building? Yeah, we were all at 1515 Broadway where it still is. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, so who was your favorite VJ? <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. I can't even remember their names anymore. That was so long ago. Who was that cute guy with, oh, Carson Daly. Oh, Carson Daly. He's still around. <laughs> He's still um, around. What about, yeah. And then there Adam was a Curry. woman named Adam Curry. He was great. Then there was a woman named Sarah, who was great too. Forgetting what her last name was. There was Duff, wasn't she one of them? Oh, Duff, that's what it was, not Sarah, right, Duffy. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Huh. That was a big part And then the life. news people, like Kurt Loder was always like a hero of mine. Where is he? Really? <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. Wow, I feel like I would walk past him on the street. I think he lived on 13th Street. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that was really awesome. Well, uh, and then at MTV, what was your favorite part of that whole experience? Because you were there at a super cool time too. It was a super cool time. Uh, and also and at the time, MTV was run by a bunch of like 30 year olds. I mean, it was crazy. Like everybody was super young. I, you know, I was 22 and we were all just like running around doing our thing, really kind of by the seat of your pants. So, I mean, it was so much fun. Um, but wait, I'm sorry, I digress. What was the question? I'm sorry. Oh, no, now don't worry about the question because now I'm thinking, were, did they film the show Remote Control there? Yeah, it was all done there. And John Stewart was there. That was like yeah. when he first started, right? Yeah, and he used to, he was good friends with Mike Judge when I was his assistant. And so John Stewart would come down and be like, hey, I need to talk to Mike. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I had so many amazing experiences. Oh my gosh. Um, and just all the artistic talent that would come walk through those doors. Yeah. But in so many different ways, right? Like musicians, but also uh, graphic designers, artists, animators. I mean, it was endless. Everybody was creative and interesting. When you're working in a place like that, it becomes like, okay, I, I'm working here. It's all, it's just, you're doing your job, right? But were there any moments where you were just like awestruck and gobsmacked by someone that walked in, like a hero of yours? Um. I mean, that happened all the time. But you have to keep your cool. Did you ever lose your cool? Right. Oh, no, you can't work at MTV and be like, oh, my God, Madonna, hi. You know, like, that doesn't work. You just, like, go into the bathroom and scream. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's got to be, so, that was such an incredible and amazing time. Yeah, <laughs> even just the lobby, right? You're just going out to get your lunch and you'd walk by, you know. I remember I was walking right behind, um, God, I'm Kirk Cobain's wife. Um, Courtney Love. Yeah, she was always around. She's beautiful and like just this amazing presence. 
Um, you know, you just be like walking behind her as you're going to get your turkey sandwich. Wow. And then you just also realize that everyone's just a human being, right? Exactly. Yep. Just they just a have a lot more human. fans. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't think very easy to be, be famous. I think it must be pretty kind of unpleasant, I would think. Oh yeah. I think it's definitely has to have its, uh, have its downfalls. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to tell you that I'm very grateful that you have given me this time to, to share. Oh, thank you for having me. I was really um, touched. Yeah. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they get in touch with you? Oh, they can just email me. It's sduffy at stonehilltaylor.com. Right. And then um, stonehilltaylor.com is the website. We'll put all that in the in the links yeah um, and we're on instagram and linkedin as well and oh great so well, am i you know we'll put all of that in there um but i just want to say thank you sarah thank you of course thanks for having me and everyone else if this has helped change your idea on hospitality and building hospitality and designing for hospitality uh please share this with your friends and thank you everyone